0: Welcome to Jay's Talk Plus on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Happy Labor Day to everyone. Uh, Hopefully relaxing at home today. Blake Murphy is off on this Labor Day long weekend. We are filling in. I'm Ben Shulman. She is Julia Kreutz. Tristan Marchajani, Markajani, Nick Blackmore, Jennifer Rolnick behind the scenes on this Monday, September 4th. The Blue Jays coming off of a... Sloppy but effective win over uh, the Colorado Rockies, not as sloppy as my uh, my dangling headset and sleep. yeah and, it's uh, a whole it's a whole look.
1: I need to chirp you just a little it, bit on Go this let's on just this get it out of the morning. Line. yeah, if you guys are not watching our si- our simulcast here, there <laughs> one one side of, uh, of looks great headset is just dangling
0: <laughs> the other side, yeah.
1: Which is, uh, can you hear okay? Is, is I can hear uh,
0: great in my left ear.
1: That's amazing. Which
0: is, and, and you know, in my right ear, is just getting the non-microphone feed. So we're, luckily, we're not so far away. We're not, uh, this no one's some, remote. This
1: uh, is some Monday morning energy. Yes. Big time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Whoever, like, had an issue with this headset, I hope they've worked it out <laughs> and that everyone's, uh, everyone's doing okay. But uh, the Blue Jays, despite... You know, a a rain delay and a really tough loss in the middle of that series. They do win yesterday over the Colorado Rockies. We're going to talk a lot about that. Talk about the Oakland Athletics Series coming up. We have Zach Worden, associate editor with Sportsnet coming up. We also have Kyle Glazer, uh, Major League Baseball and prospect writer for Baseball America. He will join us in the second hour and uh, Zach Worden will join us in the first hour. But, uh, you know, let's let's get right into it. I was here last night doing Jay's talk with Ali. You were covering the game as well. And, you know, the the Blue Jays had a lot go wrong yesterday, as they did in many of the games in Colorado. But they did end up eking out a 7-5 win. Chad Green gets the win for the Blue Jays. Jordan Romano picks up a save. Uh, The Blue Jays take the lead in the ninth inning amidst a a huge storm. The second storm that had come in, but they were just, essentially refusing to delay the game again. It was, it was the second time. It, the people of Colorado are tough. It was the second time that they put on the video board at Coors Field, there's lightning in the area, clear from the top level, and didn't stop play. Before the first rain delay, right. they cleared the top deck and kept playing baseball, which is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah. And then I get it more in the ninth inning because they were like, we can't delay this again it was a, a four hour plus game with the delay already three hour plus without it coming off a couple three hour games yeah. and on a getaway that. day
1: too right so and you're not gonna play them on their way to california and all of that yeah. it does uh, play a factor and it, it, it is interesting to sort of uh analyze how those things you know especially in a long season and a long schedule how those things affect play i mean Blue Jays have every condition, obviously, to win this series uh, in Oakland coming up. But, uh, you know, rain delay, very long games at, at Coors, that may play a factor as they start the series today as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the Blue Jays, I mean, in, in pretty much every game, having to use their pen probably a bit more than they wanted right. to, whether you go to game one, where they do get five good innings out of Jin Ryu, but in that game, because Chad Green struggled in his first game back... They used Jordan Romano in a game where they led 13 to five going into the ninth inning in game two. They have to go to the bullpen a lot because you say Kikuchi struggled, not to mention the defense behind him struggled. And then in game three, Kevin Gosman's certainly not having his best start of the season by far, but he's certainly going back out there. If not for the fact that he's delayed by an hour. Absolutely. And so you don't bring the most rested bullpen in, but you do at least uh, bring a series win in and a huge deal for the blue Jays yesterday is the production of all of the guys that were not on this team pretty much at least a, a month ago now, I guess. I can't remember the exact date that Davis Schneider came up, but you end up getting you know a big hit out of Davis Schneider to score Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You get Spencer Horwitz with three hits in the game, a home run, and a hit uh, that came with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on base as well to score him. Uh, or rather to score Schneider when he was on base. And you have three hits out of Ernie Clement, the biggest one coming in the ninth inning when he squeaked a ball just past Brendan Rodgers at second base into right field to score a run. The people loved it, and and you can text in and let us know your thoughts about the Buffalo guys. five ninety five ninety is the number to text. It was a, a huge day for guys who were like 27th, 28th, and 29th men on this 26-man roster recently,
1: yeah, it's uh, it has been a, a good development and something I don't know something interesting to watch that isn't necessarily standings related here, right, Ben? Uh, as we uh, drive into the the final stretch of the regular season, certainly not something that you would expect from a team contending for a postseason uh, a spot that these rookies or these young guys would come up and, and contribute the way that they have. But yeah, the, the injuries to Bo Bichette and Matt Chapman has obviously uh made uh the, the this production sort of a necessity for the Blue Jays here as they try to navigate this uh this stretch without, you know, essentially half of their of their infield. And so to see Spencer Horwitz come in and uh really dominate, you know, he found out twenty or so minutes before first pitch yesterday that he was in the starting lineup. Brandon Belt's uh, lower back has been acting up. It's been something that uh has been happening for a while now for him. And so Horowitz steps in and uh, and, and really makes the most of, uh, of that opportunity, however it is that it came to be, right? So that is certainly a development. You can't really expect Horowitz or Clement or even Schneider, even though we keep waiting for him to cool down and it just doesn't seem to happen, to sort of keep this level of production. But the Blue Jays will take it and it is essential that uh, that they really get whatever it is that these guys can offer right now because this is a relatively easy part of the schedule when you think about facing the Oakland A's. But at the same time, without the key guys that are Chapman and Bichette, it's a a welcome development for a team that was pretty healthy for most of the season. And now to, to be without these guys for the final stretch run here.
0: Yeah, they were about as healthy as anyone in Major League Baseball up until July 31st, pretty much when Bo Bichette goes out. Because I think, you know, when you look at, at who's the healthiest, I think you want to look, obviously, at just the quantity of injuries, but also, you know, not in a good way, the quality of injuries. Who are you losing? And the Blue Jays lose their best position player for over a month. He comes back, he's on the I.L. again. They've had Matt Chapman out, who's their best infield defender for a while. And and even in a down season remains uh, near the tops for them on the team in terms of home runs hit. And then Danny Jansen, who is right near the top in home runs hit on the team. And obviously every catcher is really important. So it, it's been massive. And I was really impressed by the bounce back that you got from Clement because he had a, a really tough game in game two. I mean, yeah. he commits two errors. I actually was really liking a lot of his play at shortstop and then – it clearly wasn't that great on that day, and especially the fielding error that he committed. The The throw was a deep throw. It bounced. It, it maybe could have been picked. That is what it is. But he commits two errors, and those errors cost the Blue Jays four unearned runs. If If you look at a box score, mm-hmm. he comes back, is, is a huge contributor in the win. And Horwitz, you know, not that he was really at fault in any way, but he comes out to pinch hit in the ninth inning of game two. A single would have given the Blue Jays the lead, And instead he strikes out to end game two, comes back the next day on that short notice and, uh, and very quickly deposits his first home run as a major leaguer into the seats. And he actually spoke after the game. So it's pretty interesting. Let's take a listen. Spencer Horwitz hitting his first major league home run and having some family around while he did it. My brother's name's Ben Horwitz. Um, he, yeah, we grew up around baseball, grew up around sports. He was more of a football player for sure. But, um, yeah, he, uh, he beat
2: on me enough, and that's where I get my competitive edge from. He's my best friend. Uh, I love him to death.
0: And uh, he's my BP thrower, and he's my everything. Um, for him to be able to see my first homer is uh, extremely special. Older, brother, younger? Older, yeah. Did you get the ball back? Or... Yeah, I got the ball back. The, uh, the staff of the Rockies were great, got it back no problem. And, uh, yeah, luckily landed in the bullpen, didn't have to give anything away. Landed in the bullpen, by the way, because he hit it like 400 something feet and it bounced off the front of a facade (laughs) and then rolled back into the bullpen. But uh, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I I think that, you know, for a lot of guys, their family all obviously really important in a journey like this. I think David Schneider has talked about how he almost gave up on baseball and that his parents kept him in it. Horwitz, a late-round pick himself. I believe he uh, was like a 19th-round pick or something like that. It might actually be even a little bit later. I'll confirm that in a sec. But uh, his brother, clearly a, a, a big deal. And uh, really cool that they get to share that moment.
1: Yeah, and, the, and you know, he was uh, pretty categorical as well when uh, asked who is getting the ball. It is Ben Horwitz. It's it's his brother. And so that is uh, indeed extremely special. Horwitz did have family Uh, when he picked up his first MLB hit, his parents were there this time with a little bit, you know, maybe less notice Uh, only Ben makes the trip. And, but it's, it's uh, it is really, really special to get those moments in the middle of a season that, you know, has been a little bit, perhaps imperfect for the Blue Jays, a lot of ups and downs. And when you get those feel-good stories, when you get the type of bounce-back performance, like you said, Ben, after a, a, a couple of uh, of mistakes, of mental mistakes, even in, in game two of that series, that means a lot. And, and it does do something for sort of the mentality of the team going forward. We saw Kevin Gosman yesterday uh, post-game speak so highly about Horwitz, about Clement, about Schneider, you know, saying it's – it's so good to see these guys uh, perform the way that they have. It, it's, a shot, it's a shot in the arm for the veterans as well, right, to, to, to see these guys not only step up and make the most of the opportunity but help the team towards its goal uh, of the postseason. So incredible individual performances, and also, we must take into consideration what it does for the mentality of the team overall. It was very cool to to hear Kevin Gosman, you know, with such high yeah. praise for the Buffalo boys yesterday.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about that, especially a little bit more, coming up with Zach Worden, uh, who will join us around 10.30 today. Uh, this is Jay's Talk Plus. She's Julia Kreutz. I'm Ben Shulman. Eddie in Fort Erie texting in about... The guys from Buffalo now contributing with the Jays. You can text in at 59590. He says, I'm very impressed with the guys that the Jays called up. Not only that, they're also uh, making a case to be on the big club next year with all those free agents the Jays have after the season. It's semi-related. Baker from Linden says, why rush Chapman back in? Uh, He wasn't contributing offensively, and that is the problem right now. And I I think, you know, especially on, on the note of next season and even that related to a Matt Chapman, or a Merrifield or Brandon Belt, who we'll talk about a little bit more, or Kevin Kiermaier. I'm not saying all of those guys are gone, and they haven't brought up someone who could play center. So that, that is what it is with Kiermaier. But they do feel like there are some options here, whether it's the guys we've already seen or a few guys who still remain at Buffalo getting a little bit more seasoning. That could really come impact this team in September and then especially Make the opening day roster next season, and maybe the Blue Jays can spread money in some different directions.
1: Yeah, that that is going to be a fascinating development. We have someone like Addison Barger, right, that can perhaps come in and become the third baseman. Will that happen? We don't know. Uh, injuries are obviously, you know, his ability to stay healthy are going to uh, is going to play a big factor here. But it is certainly good news for a team that has some 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 big names that they're trying to obviously keep around, such as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and even Danny Jansen to a certain extent, right? Bo obviously signed that extension that buys him out of the uh, his arbitration years, but this is going to come up as well yeah. in, in a near future. And so being able to sort of promote from within and, and, and keep that level of production is going to allow the Blue Jays to perhaps spend money elsewhere. But it's uh, it's, uh, it's still so far away in the future, right? It's, yeah. it's funny to think that we have a, a month left here in the regular season and then, you know, the Blue Jays uh, hoping to make the postseason as well. Who knows what next year will bring. It's, uh, it's 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 uh, such – you never know with baseball, especially yeah. with prospects.
0: Yeah, there's a, a lot that can happen both in the positive and negative direction. You never know. There are lots of guys who put up – Really nice you know thirty game starts to their careers and don 't end up really panning out. There are lots of guys who struggle for seasons or more than that and end up turning into really good players. But I think for the blue Jays, nice to get uh, you know use of some of the depth it, it had started as a pretty rough year for the minor leagues for the blue Jays yeah. with some injuries and and you know even a guy like Barger really struggled to start the season, but all of a sudden that turned around a lot they 've had Aurelvis Martinez really kind of uh, break through here and get to the triple-A level, and he's looked really good. And then Davis Schneider and all these guys are really, really factoring in. Uh, and, and for Spencer Horowitz, not only was he a 24th-round pick, but Davis Schneider, you know, for, for all of the lauding of it, a 28th-round pick out of high school, Horowitz went to university. So in theory, that usually – like means either you're better or right. your stock is worse in a way. And he got drafted in the 24th round already as a 21-year-old, unlike Schneider, uh, you know, who was still in his teens at that point in time. Most most college players drafted in rounds that no longer exist are never going to sniff the majors. Right so it is pretty awesome uh, that he ends up not just making the majors, but making a big impact yesterday. We mentioned Vladdy. I think we should get to it in a lot of ways. Sure. He revolved around the story yesterday. And I think we should just just go first to the negative. It was, it all right. was essentially all we got texted about on Jay's talk yesterday. It, it's a lot of what people have been talking about. I think it overshadowed a lot of what else he did in the game. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr., after hitting a home run in his previous at-bat, hits a ball to the top third of the wall. He clearly thought he got it. And he walks out of the box and doesn't really start running probably until about halfway down the first baseline. So what should have been a double ends up being a single. He does advance to second on an error. A lot of people had issue with that. I actually thought that part of the play was kind of (laughs) good. You know, certainly it was a good result for the Blue Jays that they gained the 90 feet that they lost by Guerrero. Not hustling, and I I didn't mind the gamble overall. It allowed any base hit to score him. Vladdy's not scoring on every double from first base. He is not in the upper echelon of sprint speed right. in major league baseball but i mean there's no way around it it's it's a it's a really rough play and a rough look from guerrero i yeah, think yeah
1: it's it's interesting because i thought he had it too i did also but now i don't know if I thought that he had it just because he stared at it for so long yeah. or because it actually looked like it was a home run off the bat. But regardless, we know that at this level, with this much as at stake, you have to hustle out of the box. This is no, this isn't a hot take at all, right? You have to hustle out of the box. And it was disappointing to 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 see that, you know, he was a little bit more concerned maybe with admiring the, the hard hit ball than he was. The at, single at, at it all. turned
0: out to be. <laughs> there
1: you go. And I also understand that... Um, you know, as obviously there's a throwing error that allows him to advance to second base. He was almost picked off there. Like it he came, was
0: almost beat. It was a gamble. It, it was, <laughs> you
1: know, the, the, the tag came very close.
0: Yes. Right. It's a good slide.
1: It, it was a good slide for sure, and it was good hustle, even though it was delayed. too late a little,
0: you know, a little it, too late. It
1: was a little bit, um, but I guess with the, with Vlad, it's like you, you can't really expect two wrongs to make a right every time. And the the fact is that he got lucky there. For sure, 100%. That he wasn't tagged out. Yeah. Right? And And that the error
0: even happened to begin with.
1: Correct. So, you know, John Schneider is saying after the game, listen, we hashed it out. It's all good. We spoke about it. The baseball gods were looking out for us, et cetera. The truth of the matter is that this is also not uh, anything new necessarily. We have seen guys like Buck Martinez even in the broadcast sort of calling out Vlad for – not hustling to say home plate on, a, on an RBI double by a, a teammate. And so it's uh, – I, I can understand the disappointment or the frustration of certain fans, even though Vlad had a tremendous game and really was a difference maker in the win. Yeah. He was. He, the Blue Jays probably wouldn't have won uh, if uh, if he wasn't in the lineup. Yeah. But uh, it, it is understandable that there would be some frustration around, you know, your – on paper, your best player or one of your stars not hustling this late into the season with this much at stake. That said, Vlad is still Vlad, right? The the way that he's been hitting the ball is extremely um, encouraging as the Blue Jays head into this final stretch. And if he heats up, then it does put the Blue Jays at another level, especially now that uh, it seems like the pitching staff may be dealing with a little bit of fatigue or... Maybe it was just the the Coors Field effect. We don't know, but uh, run support is more important now than it has been in the past. From what we have seen from the pitching staff, and so if Vlad can heat up and continue to, to 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 hit the way that he has, add a little bit of hustle to that, and the Blue Jays are probably going to be in a very very good place.
0: Yeah, three home runs in the last nine games for Guerrero. Obviously had that hit streak going at one point. A lot of one hit games in there, but you know still counts for a streak and. Ends up with a multi-hit game yesterday with that home run. And then that awkward single. And I think Joe Siddle had mentioned it on the TV broadcast as well. And it certainly, I mean, it is an issue. I think I separated a bit. I think there are a lot of people who are like, why doesn't he run hard to first base on a routine ground ball to short? I think like 90% of major leaguers don't yeah. run hard to first base Especially on a routine on ground or to short.
1: August Thirty third, yeah. right? Like it's you're not gonna.
0: Yeah, and 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 we had text comparing to you know like David Schneider hits the ball and sprints out every time. He's played seventeen major league baseball right. games. I I think there's a different expectation there. I think when guys first come up, they're trying to survive in major league baseball. They have to do that every single time. It, it's different for not just Vlad, but the majority of Blue Jays who who I think uh, you know on a routine ball like that don't. Uh, you know, end up running it because you don't want to. You know, like Danny Jansen had a hamstring issue and stuff like that. You don't, you don't want to put yourself in a position on a play that's probably going yeah. to be made anyway. And he's not a fast guy who's going to leg out base hits. But I mean, we are getting texts right now, and you know whether uh, it's text from Brad or two others who didn't leave their name and location. Texas five ninety five ninety name and location. If you want us to shout you out, it, it's it's a lot of the same thing that that. Uh, you know, they need to either get him to correct this. You know, there was one text that says the team doesn't revolve around Vlad. I mean, no team revolves around any player entirely or else you're the Los Angeles Angels and you don't win a lot of games. Ah. I would say a lot of the step back offensively this year, certainly, like, if he is even 2022, Vlad, this is a significantly better team. He's the three-hitter, so, like, they do to a certain extent... Revolve offensively around him, but uh, you know they they certainly need to get that hashed out. but for a, a lot of the calls, I think that we had gotten to bench him or anything i'm just not sure a that they can do that right now in the stretch that they're right. in a- and like some people frankly and I, I just don't get this at all, saying that like thinking the team would be better if they threw in other guys for him right now yes. and They do not even remotely have nine hitters, even when healthy, better than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And certainly right now, they don't have nine hitters better. Like, we talked about the young guys. It's great Ernie Clement sitting 450. If you look at last year, the year before that, you know, like, there's a small sample size going on.
1: Certainly. And especially with belts, a a lot of, you know, belts health right now is a little bit up in the air because – We don't know when the lower back is going to flare up, when that is going to be an issue. We saw how late the notice was yesterday uh, uh, for his uh, scratch uh, in the lineup. And you're talking about, you know, not just a spot in the lineup, but also you're talking about first base. If Belt is not around to play first base, then do you put Cabin Biggio in there. Sure he has been producing a little bit more, but you cannot seriously tell me yeah, that uh, Biggio close. is yeah. going to it's produce in the same level of uh, of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I agree that the team doesn't revolve around Vlad especially of late, but yeah. we also need to consider like you said Ben that he is a number 3 hitter and that is or or 4 or whatever it may be and and that is a very it's pretty much a prime position here in uh, in the lineup and He is Vlad Guerrero Jr. He is a guy who should drive a team, who should lead the way, and he wants to be that guy. He has spoken time and time again about wanting to be that guy Uh, in the absence of Bo Bichette, who had been sort of that driving force and the leader for most of the season. This is Vlad's team to lead, and that starts with hustling out of the box. I agree with you that you need to be smart. You're not going to want to run full speed in every ground ball and when you talk about davis schneider we also should remember that just a couple of weeks ago he sat an entire week yeah so he is well rested right it's not like he's not coming off
0: his fourth consecutive season where he misses all but like one game
1: precisely and so it is these are different situations for sure and it it tends to you know when the blue jays lose or when things are going aren't going necessarily well that weight tends to be put on Vladdy a little bit more. And we also need to acknowledge that when he's on, he is a game changer. It's all about finding that balance uh, between being smart and uh, and putting yourself in the best
0: position. Uh, a couple texts coming in, you know, saying it's not just the young guys, it's Kevin Kiermaier or Merrifield who run. I mean, I do think there are a lot of times, frankly, that those guys hit ground balls and do jog, but I I think they run more. But also I think that goes back to, how many infield hits do you think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. would have if he sprinted every ground ball? Almost none. Like, l- legitimately right. almost none. Kevin Kiermaier is still one of the faster guys in baseball, so is Whitmerfield. So it's, it's a whole different type of game. I'm not excusing what he did yesterday. No. That was not good. No. I, and that's what I'm trying to do, separate those ground balls that I think sometimes people focus too much on. Yesterday, huge implications on running or not. You know you have a base hit. Extra bases are important. Uh, and that's a big deal. You brought up Belt. Before we get to a break here and talk to Zach uh, quickly, how concerning for you is Brandon Belt, given that you know he is currently the OPS leader on this team, yeah. Bo Bichette included?
1: <laughs> that's that's um, kind of surprising, I yeah. guess. But uh, it is surprising that he's ahead of, of Bo. But the truth of the matter is that he has been one of the most productive hitters in this lineup, which is why I think that this problem is, is a a bit more concerning it doesn't seem like he's going to necessarily need an IL stint or anything like that which is good news because Blue Jays really can't afford to uh, miss any more of those key pieces but the unpredictability of this issue to me is is what makes it a little bit concerning Belt has been extremely productive he has the plate approach is honestly one of the best on the team right he knows exactly what he's looking for he's not gonna get cheated he's not gonna swing at at pitches outside the zone and it's been uh really cool to to watch his at bats I'm not gonna lie and uh and it is it is a huge loss for the Blue Jays now if he can keep off the IL and still give them say three or four games a week here down the stretch then I think you're you're happy with that uh these are the effects of a long season in a veteran guy that uh you know, he has even spoken himself about not being as fast as he used to be or not being as athletic as he used to be. Excuse me. But if the Blue Jays can get three or four games out of him right now per week, I think they're going to be in a good position, especially if a guy like Spencer Horowitz, even if he cools off a little bit can continue to contribute the way that he did yesterday, uh, it's, uh, it's going to be fine.
0: What do you think? Yeah, I mean, he is, you know, he is immensely important to this team. Mm-hmm. I think that they, you know, especially in this window still where they have Oakland, Kansas City, I think they can survive. Right. But come Texas, I, I think you want Brandon Belt in that lineup. I'm not actually saying, even though his, his on-base plus slugging is higher than Bo, he's not having a better offensive season than no. Bo. I'm not actually saying that. However, uh, you know, he has 16 home runs, which is which is right around the same number as – a Springer, uh, a Bo, a Dalton Varsho, uh, a Danny Jansen. He gets on base as much as anyone on the team. And he's the guy that, you know, if you can get Bo off the IL on the minimum, that would be the seventh, which is an off day for the Blue Jays in between Oakland and KC. Like, you want Brandon Belt on base for when Bo Bichette hits a homer or when Vlad hits a homer like you he's helped set it up even if he's not the quickest runner obviously he's he's the guy who sets them up a lot so I I do think he's really important and and for the Blue Jays the hope is to get him back soon we have to take a quick break but when we come back Zach Worden writer for Sportsnet.ca associate editor with Sportsnet will join us on the other side, Blue Jays and Oakland Athletics starting a series today, and we're going to talk about it a whole lot more. This is Jay's Talk Plus. She's Julia Kreutz. I'm Ben Schulman on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
2: Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or
1: wherever you get your
2: podcasts.
0: Jay's Talk Plus continues on Sportsnet 360, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. That's I've Got a Hole Where My Heart Should Be by The Sheepdogs. Preachness. I'm Ben Schulman. Thank you. I was listening to it in the car down. It was, it was a great drive. Uh, she's Julia Croyd, Nick Blackmore, Tristan Markajani, and... Jennifer Rolnick, behind the scenes. It was an awesome drive today. Happy Labor Day again if you didn't join us in the first half hour. I, I live in, in the greater Toronto area, so when you get a, a morning like this where everyone's asleep and the DVP is just it's amazing. wide open, oh, That's it's, the my stuff. It's, it's my
1: not, favorite. It's uh, not common. so You really no, have to savor it when it happens. It
0: is not common at all. Zach Worden, associate editor with Sportsnet, is going to join us in a moment. The Blue Jays open up a huge series today with not the worst team in baseball after their sweep <laughs> of the Angels uh, over the weekend, the second worst team in baseball, the Oakland Athletics at Oco Coliseum. That will go on at 4.07 p.m. Eastern. It'll be Jose Barrios against Ken Waldachuk, Uh and, and just a, a huge, huge series for the Blue Jays coming off what was, you know, it's the Colorado Rockies, but a huge win yesterday. Sure. And and we had talked a lot about it. Before we talked to Zach, we were going to talk about the pitching in the first yeah. half, but got a, a little bit caught up with Vladdy. The Blue Jays <laughs> do win two of three. However, they, they did not have really a single clean pitching performance in this series. They end up giving up 22 runs in three games. I know it's Colorado. How much do you write that off? And, and what reasons do you look for that the Blue Jays one of the best pitching teams in baseball really had to rely upon their offense to win two out of these three games.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it is a little surprising. But then again, when you get to Coors, it is obviously something that you would expect to happen a little bit more. You are going to allow a little bit more offense just because of the conditions. It does, however, uh, sort of put into the spotlight, let's say, the workload of this starting rotation, which is... Way up there with uh, with one of the highest workloads for a pitching staff in all of Major League Baseball. So, it, it we may continue to see maybe the effects of fatigue a little bit. We know that Jose Barrios, who is going tonight, didn't necessarily have the greatest month of August. He is very much looking for a bounce back. Uh, starting today. Or yeah, today rather than tonight, right? Yeah. It's a it's a yeah, matinee. Two day
0: games on a West Coast <laughs> trip, you'll take that.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, you will. Especially yeah. us, right? Yes. <laughs> it's a it, it is a nice to to see for a change. But is workload a concern here? Because we know that they have been up there in innings. Uh, I believe Chris Bassett is at the maybe top five in, in innings pitched. Goss, Kevin Kevin Gosman is is up there. So is Jose Barrios and Kikuchi to a, a lesser extent obviously you have Hyun Ryu now who seems to be sort of on a on is still on a little bit of a pitch limit or maybe the Blue Jays are just being extremely careful with him the truth of the matter is that he's been he's been pitching very very effectively yep. but we have not seen him i believe even get an out in the sixth inning he has pitched into the sixth a couple of times but uh no not really long uh, starts yep. by a guy who seems to be pretty sharp so that is a development that is worth monitoring as well because if you are bringing in the bullpen especially after a uh, a series like we just saw in Colorado in which the Blue Jays really had to rely on their bullpen and you see Jimmy Garcia sort of struggling a little bit you have to bring in Jordan Romano because Chad Green was uh he bounced back yesterday I, I will say that but his first outing as a Blue Jay was um far from perfect, uh, I believe, four-run runs for for him in that ninth inning. The Blue Jays have relied quite heavily on their pitching, and now is really the time where the run support needs to to come into play as well because very clearly, if this is the time to click, this is the time to click, and it's going to take a, a full effort here.
0: Well, to expand upon that more, we have Zach Worden on the line on Jay's Talk Plus, associate editor with Sportsnet, writer for Just Baseball, and host of the Bird's Eye View podcast. Zach, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Good morning. Good morning to you as well, and happy Labor Day. And and we were talking about some of the starting pitching. Obviously not the greatest day yesterday for Kevin Gosman. His quotes featured heavily in the piece that you put on sportsnet.ca yesterday. Do you think it was at least, like he was talking so glowingly about the Buffalo guys, (laughs) a, a big relief for him to to finally get some run support in a start where he doesn't really have his best stuff?
3: Yeah. He's, he's just like the rest of us talking glowingly about the Buffalo guys at this point. Um, no, it's, it's been nice to see him kind of get some help the last couple of times out um, while he's been going through some of these struggles, you know, he kind of gave the team so much to begin the season and through the middle parts of the season when the offense really wasn't giving him all that much in return. So seeing him being able to get, get kind of some help on the other side is, is a really encouraging sign I would say for, for a Blue Jays team that has really needed to give their, their starters some offensive help. And you know, I, I think you guys were just talking about kind of the workload, and for him it was really interesting yesterday before the game hearing them say that he was adjusting his workload in between starts, kind of taking off bullpens and trying to figure out um, exactly kind of the best way to get himself in prime pitching condition on the on his days that he starts. So um, kind of with that, I, I think it'll be interesting to see him going forward and see obviously he's been around for a long time. So being able to see what he – figures out in terms of a workload for himself. It, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to kind of get back to that early season form instead of kind of, you know, it, it hasn't been his best stuff the last couple times out. So if he's able to to really manage that workload a little bit better and find himself um, in, in a groove heading into the playoffs, I think that would be great for the blue Jays.
1: Zach, thanks for doing this. Staying on Kevin Gosman for a little bit. We, have spoken about him in sort of a, a, a Cy Young light. How, how do you feel about, say, these past couple of starts, the fact that he has to maybe adjust his workload a little bit? We have seen that the the early season form is not necessarily there. How do you like his chances for, for the Cy Young here? And uh, how do you see that competition overall?
3: Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to write anybody off based on a couple of starts for sure. I think he, he's, he's right in the mix. I know... Garrett Cole seems to kind of be the the betting favorite at this point. Kind of, he has the uh, you know topped not not top in the AL in the ERA, but kind of at the top there. Um, I, I think if you really kind of look at it, though, Gosman, you know, he he leads all American League pitchers in F WAR and kind of going on you know some of the advanced stats there. Like he has a really good case, but if you do look at just kind of the consistency. That he's maybe missed the last couple times out. It, it, it is going to be tough looking at the final numbers in terms of which way voters are going to go. I know, obviously, you know, you kind of look at the way that voters vote now, and it's it's definitely changed a little bit. I don't think you know the win loss record really is going to matter all that much. Um, but for a guy who strikes out as many guys as Gosman does, and how dominant that he was through the beginning months of the season, and just how important that he's been to a Blue Jays team that. You know, is is doing a little bit better than the Yankees. I think he has a, a really solid case of being right in the mix of that Cy Young conversation again.
0: Yeah, that that will be really interesting to follow. If I, if I were a betting man, I might sprinkle just a tiny bit on Sunny Gray as well, uh, who who continues to pitch Ooh. very well uh, for the Minnesota Twins and actually leads the American League in ERA right now. Uh, going over to the other side in that Colorado series, obviously the, the talk of the town. Is the Buffalo guys outside of Davis Schneider, who who has now been with the Blue Jays for a while? uh, Generally, you know, what were your expectations for a guy like Horwitz or Clements in this stretch, and and have they exceeded them? Like, what what did you see from them that you liked or didn't like over this series? Yeah,
3: I would say my expectations were certainly not what they've given the Blue Jays over the past couple games. Um, I think their approach has really been the most encouraging sign for for a team that has kind of had maybe a couple approach issues this season and, you know, kind of seeing Clement and Horowitz come up and provide, you know, both on-base ability and power has been really big for a team, you know, without Bichette, Chapman, and Jansen. Um, Having them come up and be able to to provide that on-base ability and kind of that consistent line drive approach has been something that I maybe saw from them in Buffalo, but wasn't necessarily sure if it would translate to the major league level. And obviously, just when you're not getting to your, your power as a hitter, if you're able to find your way on base and put together solid at-bats um, in between the times when you're driving the ball, that's really what makes elite hitters. So seeing them being able to provide that um, has, has been really big. And, you know, I think at this point, we almost have to find a nickname for these Buffalo guys. You know, they, they all come up and have kind of sparked the team here. And if, if you told any of us that back in May or June, I think we would have called anybody crazy to say that Ernie Clement, Spencer Horowitz, and Davis Schneider would be leading this team in, into into September here.
1: That's uh that's so true and uh pretty wild to think about, especially again for a team that is vying for a for a postseason spot here, you wouldn't necessarily uh you know tab the youngsters as a as a big uh contributing factor, but the truth of the matter is that they have been. Uh Keegan Matheson actually yesterday in his uh reporting of the game wrote in the Buffalo Boys, which I like for it's the nice. alliteration.
0: Yeah, it's, Buffalo uh, Bunch.
1: Th- there you go. That's nice, yeah. too. Some alliteration is is, is always welcome. But, uh, Zach, you're wondering, uh, we have seen Schneider absolutely rake, and it, it, I at least keep expecting him to cool down a little bit. It's just not happening, right? Uh, but, obviously, these are still small sample sizes. Which of these guys do you think has uh, – the most sustainable at say streak and conversely, uh, which of these guys do you expect to uh, cool off in your future here?
3: Yeah, I I really like the Buffalo bunch. I'll, I'll chime in on that one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I think, you know, seeing Schneider kind of have, you know, kept this up for almost a month now is it's kind of got to be him in terms of being the most sustainable, you know, obviously we did see him kind of go to the bench for a little bit in the middle of August and um, come back and just kind of can stay, stay hot, which is, maybe a little bit surprising but for for him i think he's the guy that i would i would pick as the guy who's able to keep it up the longest just based on what we've seen i do wonder if his kind of sustained success is something that might rub off on these other two guys you know if ernie and spencer don't look at him and saying you know he's he's, he's been able to stay hot for a couple of months in the majors why can't why can't i do that for for this september so um yeah if, if i did have to pick someone to to cool off i mean i would perhaps lean Ernie Clement just in terms of, you know, the the quality of contact that both him and Horowitz make. But, you know, I, I think if you kind of look at what Clement has, has been doing these past few games, that it is really encouraging that there actually might be something in there that can prove to be a little bit more than he's been at the major league level leading into this season.
0: Yeah, and I will say, you know, for, for Clement's sake, he's probably the guy, despite some errors coming in game two, who looks to be the most valuable defensively of the three right now? He uh, you know, obviously hit at a very high level contact-wise in triple A. Horwitz did as well, probably walked a little bit more, but Ernie playing some more valuable positions for the Blue Jays. Yesterday, not playing a defensive position, but DH'ing. Uh Vladdy stole the show in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, it was kind of the Buffalo discussion and the Vladdy discussion, and we just talked about it. At length, uh, you know, mostly we probably didn't get enough to the fact that he did end up driving in two runs, scoring two times it, and had a home run for the Blue Jays. But he also had that unfortunate play where he doesn't hustle out of the box, doesn't make it to second base when he really should have been running and therefore, uh, you know, has to rely upon an error in a really close play to make that 90 feet up. Just What did you think overall of just a, a really weird game from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. last night?
3: Yeah, there's been a few really weird games for him this season. But um, base running mistake aside, I, w- I would say that it was it was a positive step forward for him yesterday. You kind of see him um, get the head out on some balls, drive them, pull them. You know, everybody's been trying for him to pull the baseball a little bit more. So seeing him actually do that yesterday on some, some inside pitches and being able to get some stuff going to left field, I think it was a really positive step forward for him. Um, just the, the quality of that bats kind of felt a little bit better, too. Um, you know, obviously all the concern with him this season, you know, the, the, the recent stretch has actually been pretty good. Obviously he had the hit streak and um has obviously gotten to his power a little bit more. Over the past couple of weeks, he's actually been been last in major league baseball in fangraft's clutch metrics. So while the results have gotten better, that's obviously where a lot of the frustration comes from, just in terms of the situational hitting where he isn't coming through. So seeing him actually get, you know, two RBIs yesterday, drive a couple of baseballs. I, I think it was a really positive step forward for him.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a that's a good point for sure. It's also interesting to sort of analyze that clutch factor, right? And, and and see where it is coming from for the Blue Jays. And is it coming from where you would expect it to? Maybe not, not necessarily. Zach, you recently wrote also about um, the wildcard teams and their schedules. Speaking of clutch and speaking of a stretch run here, how do you sort of analyze or how do you assess uh, the Blue Jays' schedule moving forward, and, and where does that put them in, you know, in, in their chances here of making that big push for a postseason uh,
3: spot? Yeah, they they do by opponent win percentage have the second easiest schedule of all the teams in the AL wild card race, other than the Astros. Um, obviously, that that that's in, or boosted by kind of this stretch here against you know that the Rockies, the A's, and the Royals, um, but seeing them kind of have that that easier schedule i think is a really positive sign for the rest of the season obviously a team like the yankees maybe uh has more talent than their record would suggest especially seeing them kind of sweep sweep the astros yesterday um they also have have a really great advantage kind of being able to play the rangers i think i think with if the rangers had such an easy schedule like the astros that would be um uh, more difficult to kind of catch them where you actually get to play the team who has a tougher schedule and get to make up ground that way. Um, the Astros and Rangers both have, you know, they, they play this week, which is going to be a really big series, a chance for the blue Jays to gain ground on um, whoever doesn't win that series. If the blue Jays can take care of business in Oakland and neither, neither of those teams have actually been playing all that well. Obviously Houston being swept by the Yankees, uh, Texas losing their series to Minnesota, um, so it's really a case of where the Blue Jays just need to take advantage of their easy schedule while they have it these this next week before they really get into kind of the, the big matchups over the last couple of weeks.
1: Ben and I are going to talk uh, amongst ourselves about this a little bit later, but just to set it up, I did want to ask you, um, for the Blue Jays, how... Would you want, let's say, if you were the Blue Jays, how would you want this series between Texas and Houston to go here uh, in order to maximize your postseason uh, potential?
3: I I think an Astros sweep would be huge for the Blue Jays if they can, because say say the Astros sweep and the Blue Jays win their series, then they would come close, if not overpass the the Rangers there. And, or I guess they would overpass them. So if they can be ahead of the Rangers heading into that four game series at home next week, I think that would be a really huge boost for the blue Jays having the Rangers chasing them instead of the other way around. um, You know, just kind of watching the Rangers to their series against the twins. They were not able to keep a lead at all. They've been having some major bullpen issues. And I'm not sure based on, you know, Houston coming off a sweep against the Yankees, if they're really going to be able to take all that much advantage of it. But I do really think that if the Blue Jays can at least catch the Rangers heading into that series next week, that they will have a really great chance of of surpassing them and, and eventually making the playoffs
0: for those who haven't checked the standings this morning Blue Jays a game and a half back of both teams so if there's a sweep in either direction the Blue Jays just have to beat the Athletics in the series to get into wild card positioning if there isn't a sweep but the Blue Jays sweep the A's then they'll be in wild card positioning no matter what happens in Texas in that series between the Astros and Rangers. Talking with Zach Ward, an associate editor with Sportsnet, I, I think it, it was kind of revealed in the answer of that question, but who-, who do you think is the most catchable team right now? Because certainly Texas is faltering, but like you said, Houston, I mean, that's, the Yankees are more talented than their record, but it's still pretty brutal to get swept by a team that's more than likely not even going to finish close to the playoff picture at home uh, like the Astros just did.
3: Yeah, I, I think in terms of most catchable, it definitely kind of has to be Texas. They have the series against the Blue Jays. They have this series coming up against the Astros. And then they have seven remaining against the Mariners, too, which could almost make or break their season in terms of just how good Seattle has been. Um, they they also, you know, have, have three against the Red Hot A's. They have three against the Guardians who are, who are now, or, or I guess they've always been trying to win, but have, you know, made some additions down the stretch at the, the waiver deadline there. And you know they they're four and twelve over the last sixteen and really struggling. They they've lost a bunch of pieces. So I, I think that if there is a, a team to catch, it it is going to kind of be the Rangers here.
1: Zach, a lot of talk around you know records, especially with the American League East as uh, strong as it has been, and uh, this wild card race really coming down the wire here. It's going to be a fun one to watch, but. Do you think that 90 wins would be enough to put the Blue Jays in uh, in playoff position? And if you sort of had to, uh, I don't know, maybe project here the type of record that would guarantee a, a postseason spot, what would you uh, what would you come up with?
3: It's a great question. I, I'm not sure if 90 wins would get them there exactly. I think you know they're, they're 75 and 62 right now, so they would have to go. Fifteen and ten the rest of the way to get to ninety, which is which is definitely more than achievable, I would say for for this Blue Jays team in terms of having six games remaining against the the A's and the the Royals, having three against the Red Sox who have kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, if I had to predict a record that you uh, a win total that you should be aiming for, I almost think like the 92, 93 mark might be the the place where they need they need to get to in terms of kind of being able to, to claim a spot and really be comfortable there. I know like last, you look at the, the playoff of last year and the Rays made it with, with 86 wins, which is crazy to think that a team could, could get there not, not reaching the 90 win mark. So maybe it is possible, but just the, the, the quality of the teams this year, I, I really think that you are going to have to get to a, a 91 or a 92 to, to secure a spot there.
0: Yeah, I think last year there was a little more middle class in the American League. Like it's kind of like the National League this year where there's there's teams three games above 500 that are that are in wild card positioning right now as the Blue Jays. Uh, double-digit games above 500, are on the outside. Last one for you, a uh, big fan of Just Baseball and uh, actually happened to be, I uh, went to school with Jack McMullen, uh, who's obviously a big part of Just Baseball as well. So uh, I saw you wrote a piece about Canadian Edouard Julien uh, flying under the radar a little bit in his 86-game you know, rookie season so far. What have you thought about him as one of the most exciting young Canadian players in baseball?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think he's been awesome in terms of a guy who, you know, really showed out for Canada at the World Baseball Classic. He led the entire tournament in OPS um, back in, in March there. And just the way that he's been able to kind of come up and be a spark plug for this Twins team that really hasn't gotten the offensive contributions that they thought they would from the from their stars. You know, Carlos Correa's struggled. Byron Buxton hasn't necessarily been been an option for them. So kind of having this offensive second baseman who gets on base as much as Julian does is, is a really cool sign for, for Canadian baseball. I think um, him continuing the success off that world baseball classic um, and carrying that into his season with the twins has been, you know, huge for the twins who are, are of course leading the division right now, but have, have needed offensive contributions from wherever they can get it. And he, he has cooled off over the last couple of weeks. But he is a guy who comes up with, with an elite approach, an elite feel for the strike zone. I think he's 100th percentile in chase rate. He's kind of got that Juan Soto um, control of the zone. And he's really been able to do, to do some damage when he, when he does get his pitch in the zone. So I think it's been a really encouraging sign for him and for Canadian baseball just the way that he's gotten off to, to his major league career this year.
0: Julien again, only 86 games, and he's fourth among Twins position players in baseball reference war right now. So really interesting to see what he does and some other great young Canadian players like Bo Naylor and others do for the remainder of the season. Zach, really appreciate you joining us and uh, giving us the lowdown on the Jays and everything else.
3: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. Have a great rest of the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That's Zach Worden, associate editor with Sportsnet, writer for Just Baseball, and host of the Bird's Eye View podcast. We were talking uh, those nicknames, and I think we were we were beaten in general by one of the texters didn't leave uh, a name and location so if you want to text us with maybe some of your cool. favorite nicknames for the group of buffalo players that are up and contributing for the blue jays five ninety five ninety name and location in the text, but uh the herd was what they suggested and oh, that's
1: good stuff I
0: do know like the herd is uh you know like there's at least you know a medium publication covering stuff in in buffalo called the herd i I do think that that could could easily be like the voting winner if a poll were to be
1: put what a masterpiece by anonymous
0: yeah thank you anonymous really appreciate it and thank you nick blackmore for my severe upgrade in the headphones by the way just a a complete turnaround thanks to our producer today uh and we are now with both ears working Headed into the second hour in just a moment. We're going to take a step aside. When we come back, we're going to talk about all those teams around the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays, of course, need to win. We know who they're playing. We'll talk a bit about the athletics as well. uh, But we're going to talk some more Seattle, some more Houston, some more Texas, and a little bit uh, of everything else when we return. She's Julia Kreutz. I'm Ben Schulman. This is Jays Talk Plus on Sportsnet 360, wherever you get your podcasts and across the Sportsnet radio network.
2: Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays, Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus on Sportsnet 360, wherever you get your podcast, streaming on the Sportsnet app and across the Sportsnet radio network. That's West Coast. By Lana Del Rey, well, I got that right.
1: You got you got it right. I mean, I got you, right. you got to pick uh, the, oh, the song. Yeah, yeah, last break. So uh, figured I would get us in the in the mood for this uh, Oakland A series. I just
0: had to confirm because during the All Star break, I uh, I misnamed Beyonce's hit song "Single Ladies," oh, yeah. so I, I can't I be that. I can't be too sure. Uh, I'm Ben Schulman. She's Julia Kreutz. Tristan Marcjanie, Nick Blackmore, Jennifer Rolnick behind the scenes for Jays Talk Plus. Second hour here on Labor Day. Blake Murphy. Has the Labor Day weekend off. And uh, while we were at break, a text coming in about potential Buffalo guys contributing nicknames for the whole group. Let's hear them. So we had talked about um, the Bison Boys, Bison Bunch. The Herd was brought up. I will say Paul from Toronto texting in. The Herd is like a nickname that he says they they constantly just use for the Bisons. Fair so enough. maybe it shouldn't be repurposed in this situation. Who knows? Uh, we have the Buffalo Boost from Charlie Timmons. I like that. Uh, Wing Force, Damian and Mississauga. I really like that because wow. like Buffalo Me. Wings. All right. Um, Dylan from Kitchener doesn't have a, a group name, but he thinks uh, that Spencer Horowitz could be like Spenny Horror Show, <laughs> which I like. I do like that a lot. Uh, Bob and a- Ajax, the Buffalo Ballers. I'm into it. A little basketball-y, yeah. but I'm into it. Um, bison boost like buffalo boost Chris and Athens texted that in and then i really like uh like this one bob trucking through northwest texas by the way so i uh, appreciate you streaming from northwest texas uh the big bat bisons all right and that's like alliteration is good and if you can get it in three oh we'd love it yeah
1: i i would say that's the winner or maybe for the me.
0: big bad bisons like i think there's a couple ways you can go with it
1: wow you even have a little bit of a pun there yeah. that's amazing
0: So, uh, yeah, Buffalo Bisons players turned Blue Jays contributing a lot yesterday, will more than likely contribute a lot or at least be put in a position to do that today when the Blue Jays take on the Oakland Athletics in a series opener starting at 4.07 Eastern, 1.07 local Jose Barrios against Ken Waldachuk in that game, the Blue Jays 13 games above 575 and 62. They go up against the Oakland Athletics, the second worst team in baseball by record past the Kansas City Royals yesterday. (laughs) And the Blue Jays, a game and a half back of both Texas and Houston. They also gained a game on Seattle yesterday. So they are two and a half back on the Seattle Mariners, although they don't hold the tiebreaker. So in a way, they're kind of three and a half back. They have to finish ahead of Seattle, whereas they have the tiebreaker on Houston. It's yet to be decided about Texas. All of that is to say, when you look at this race, we ask Zach, who more than likely ask Kyle Glazer as well, coming up uh, yeah. at 11.30, because it's all people can think about right now. You look at these teams in the AL West, wh- who's the team that if you're the Blue Jays, you have your sights on?
1: That's a fascinating question. And it's also very interesting that if you were to list those teams, uh, it would probably be the three AL West Teams here right yeah. I, I I don't necessarily think that uh, uh you know the Tampa Bay Rays are in in, in play here I, I don't think that that no. is a possibility but when you look at the al West teams first of all that race is completely um in the open still right we have no idea who's going to win that division we obviously saw the Mariners go on that amazing run that they did uh, to sort of reclaim the the top spot the Astros have been struggling a bit the Rangers are have been struggling a lot, a lot, a lot, <laughs> and uh, and so not only is the wild card race very interesting, but the AL West race is going to be a fascinating one to uh, to watch as well. If you're the Blue Jays, you would probably want the Mariners to just run away with it because of the tiebreaker, and that you know taking three out of four against Texas when they come into town would put the Blue Jays in a in a really really good position to uh, to to make the wild card there. Uh, I would say. That based on the way that these teams are playing right now, I I do think that Texas is a little bit easier to yeah. catch up to because you can never really count out the Houston Astros. Uh, they have they have the pieces in place, let's say to uh, to come out of this uh, of this skid a little bit. And honestly, they do I believe have what it takes to still finish atop that division. Uh, maybe not this year and maybe this will be the year that uh, the Mariners will finally overcome the Astros, but we know how good of a team they are and we know how well they perform down the stretch as well. And so if you're the blue Jays, you're probably focusing a little bit more on Texas. It will, it can change based on how this series between these two teams goes uh, right now, the Rangers and the, the Astros, I believe today start a series. Yes, And so that, there there will be developments and, and things can change very, very quickly when obviously two postseason contenders face each other. But based on the way that the Rangers bullpen has been performing of late, uh the fact that the starting rotation isn't as dominant anymore as it was to start the year, Jordan Montgomery struggled in his last start. I believe there might be an issue with uh, with Max Scherzer. He I got lifted speak. early
0: from his last start, know. and they said forearm tightness, which is like the scariest two words <laughs> a pitching coach has ever heard in his life.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and so, if you're the Blue Jays, you're probably focusing a little bit more on the Rangers having a series against them coming up. You can control it a little bit more. I, I you know, we we spoke a little bit about. Who is more, let's say, exposed between uh, the the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros? And I would even throw in the Seattle Mariners who just lost a series to the Mets here as well. True. It, what would you say, what would the Blue Jays need to focus on here in terms of putting themselves, let's say, in the best position to, to make the postseason?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's Texas. Like right at the on. end of the day, I think the head-to-head matchup is big and the bullpen struggles are really big. The Texas Rangers avoided a sweep yesterday with a walk-off win. Uh, Adolis Garcia hit a huge homer. I I really like watching him. It was a lot of fun. They blew two separate late-game leads to make that walk-off possible. Like, they just cannot keep water from getting in the boat when their bullpen comes into the game. And then you mentioned the starters taking a step back. They've dealt with some health situations. I think for the Astros... Uh, they've had some some rough starts. Uh, they, they have had some starters definitely take a step back. You're looking at a much different season from Christian Javier than a lot of people expected. Hunter Brown, certainly from the early season surge, has taken a bit of a step back. But that's still a team who I, I think is really well set up, and they're getting healthier. I, I think that they've recently... You know, brought Brantley back, which is massive. Brought Alvarez back, although the really scary play yesterday where he kind of falls into the wall. But he, I believe, ended up being okay in that game. And Altuve had an incomplete season, but when you have him healthy, he's maybe other than Jordan Alvarez, just about the best player that you're going to have in that lineup. So I think Houston... I honestly feel like Houston's probably going to win the division if I had to pick it. I I don't think you can count on the Mariners to be even remotely as hot as they were in August. They weren't like that for any other month that season, even close to it. And obviously the health situations with Julio Rodriguez certainly plays a major factor in what the Mariners are going to do. They have a tough series, by the way, uh, opening up in Cincinnati coming up today at 410. But I think with the Rangers not having the experience the Astros do or even the Mariners do, I think the Rangers have some of the age that the Mariners don't. But this Mariners team together made the playoffs last year. This is a new group together, even if lots of different guys bring experience from other places for the Rangers and really the bullpen. At the end of the day, I think it's really, really tough to stick in a race when you don't have anything reliable going on past yeah. the sixth inning. Like, they, their offense has taken a bit of a step back. One of my favorite rookies, Josh Young, broke his thumb on a freak play where a ball just hit his glove in an awkward spot, and he was huge for them playing. like Great defense at third and hitting in the middle of the order. They've had a, a lot of different guys take a bit of a step back for yeah. them offensively. Corey Seager's been great. Obviously, Garcia's the hit yesterday, but some of the guys around Seager have not hit as well as they were before. I, I think the Rangers are quite exposed right now. I think that there's a big chance that they could get skipped, which is crazy because, you know, certainly when we did the shows during the All-Star break and even for weeks after that, I would have said the Rangers have an incredibly strong chance to make the championship series mm-hmm. in the American League and it has gone sideways fast.
1: Certainly. It's uh, it's interesting to contrast that with the notion of, oh, you, all you have to do to sort of win a World Series is get into the the playoffs.
0: For sure.
1: Now, if there's a very, very strong chance that the Texas Rangers will make the playoffs, right? If they can eke out a couple of wins and get lucky in other uh, scenarios, even though they're not playing their best baseball. Now, is that that enough to say, hey, if the Rangers go in, they're going to win the World Series or they have a chance to win the World Series? That is tough because obviously... They are not performing at even a no. postseason level right now, no. and uh, it would be honestly kind of a loss of, to the game and to the competitive process if a team with a bullpen this leaky and with the the starting rotation issues, if they continue, if a team like like that were to make the playoffs and say uh, uh, perhaps a more deserving team such as the Blue Jays or the Mariners uh, didn't right. So it's a it's a it's a funny thing to sort of analyze like when the team when do teams get hot and when do they not and how does that impact uh, the quality of baseball that's being played in October
0: we're still kind of waiting for the Blue Jays to get hot at some point uh, in this season but we had we had asked and I think it's definitely worth discussing we'd asked Zach about this but the series coming up yeah so he had said a Houston sweep which is interesting Mm -hmm. because if the Blue Jays sweep the A's which is no guarantee uh, they did not sweep them when they played them in Toronto, uh, and that was first half of the season. But if the Blue Jays sweep the A's, then two out of three games either way would still put the Blue Jays in playoff position. However, if you don't think the Astros are catchable or would be really tough to catch, then I think you would end up subscribing to Zach's theory. So so what would you, not knowing what the Blue Jays are going to do, mm-hmm. obviously, what would you root for if you were taking on a you know a Blue Jays fan mind here yeah. in this Texas Houston series?
1: Yeah, I would. I wouldn't get I guess as greedy as uh, sort of choosing the 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 sweep or who sweeps. I think a sweep on either side. Okay. So would you be, you just
0: want someone to get knocked back. That or.
1: would be that would be the ideal scenario uh, for the Blue Jays. That said. I don't believe that either of these teams will sweep. I do think it's going to be uh, a little bit more of an even series, especially with uh, both teams playing with so much on the line, right? For the the Astros, though, I think it's uh, quite simple. I think they need more contributions from their actual players and fewer contributions (laughs) from fans in the stands.
0: Yes, that was not a positive contribution yesterday. If, uh, (laughs) If you were tuned into Sunday Night Baseball, there was a ball hit to the left field corner foul territory. I believe it was Cabrera and left for the Yankees. Right on. And he was going over to make what would have been a really, really difficult play. He leaped up to make the catch and a fan in Houston at Minute Maid Park reached over the stands significantly, deflected the ball. So the batter, I truthfully forget who it is. I could probably find it. It was your Don Alvarez. <laughs> <laughs> Gets called out because of a fan. However, I do think uh, that he saved some face. ESPN went over to talk to him. Here, here's what went down between ESPN's Buster Olney and the fan who tried to reach out into the stands.
2: So tell us about that play and how it developed. <laughs> so pretty much I'm out here with my son. This is our first ever game. We just moved here to Houston literally in January. And I just wanted to make the moment special for him. As a father, I feel like it's my job to make sure that I give him the best moments. I apologize to the Astro organization. I didn't know it. From y'all gotta understand, when it's dropping down, it looked like it's coming directly to you. So I reached, and my body went for what I know. But we did have a wonderful moment. Okay, so you reach out, and what was the reaction that you heard right after the play was over? The reaction was shock, disgust, happiness, sweat, a little. <laughs> Lust, baby, you feel me? I was in there, feeling kind of, kind of hurt, but my finger's still shaking a little bit. The ball weighed heavier with the gravity. I'm not gonna lie to you. we're gonna be on TV, baby.
0: That's awesome. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of fans reaching into the stands and impacting the game, but. You could really quickly turn around how I feel about you by putting together that 45-second stretch on national TV in the U.S. and internationally uh, around the world. That guy, I mean, I truthfully don't know. Like, I believe when you reach into the stands, they take you out of the game. Right I, thought that's, I thought that's what right they on. do because it's, like, not allowed. But that guy seems like he is so enjoyable to talk to that maybe the security came up and he was he just, like, apologized and made them laugh and they were like, all right. Well, uh, you know, he was trying to get a ball for his son. Yeah. I understand the emotion, even if I if I don't support the action.
1: Listen, he apologized to the Astros organization. <laughs> you can't kick that guy out. Also, the ball is a lot heavier with gravity is one of the best. Phenomenal. The best baseball quotes I've ever seen in my life. It's, yeah. it's incredible stuff.
0: Phenomenal. Uh, that went down as the Yankees completed a sweep over the Houston Astros yesterday. Don't look now. The Yankees have won six of seven games. Jason Dominguez became, I believe, the first Yankee uh, to hit two home – or the youngest Yankee to hit two home runs in his first three games. And with two home runs in his 20s, I at least heard on the uh, from Roxy Bernstein of ESPN on the radio broadcast yesterday that he's now second all-time in home runs by a 20-year-old for the Yankees. They don't do that uh, all that often. But – I mean, the Yankees are a game back of 500. You look at them, you look at the Red Sox. Red Sox heading more in the other direction. Do you still think that these teams are even remotely kind of alive and in the mix, or or for you at this point, are the Yankees and Red Sox more just playing it out?
1: We have seen the Yankees more than once put together, say, an 11-game win streak and uh, surprise everyone. Do I think this is going to happen this time around? I think it's extremely difficult, especially based on how the past month or so has gone for the Yankees. I realize that this is a hot stretch, and that's bad news for the Blue Jays if the Yankees can keep it up because there is a remaining series against New York uh, on the Blue Jays' schedule.
0: Two remaining Uh, series. Oh, dang. Yeah.
1: And one against the Red Sox?
0: One Red Sox, two Yankees, two Rays.
1: So <laughs> that is going to be a, a legitimately fascinating stretch, right? This uh, You can never count out any AL East team. Uh, I do think that the Orioles are in a good position to win the division here, but the Rays are coming in strong as well. Do I think the Yankees and the Red Sox are going to make the playoffs? No. I do, however, think that they're going to make the Blue Jays' life extremely difficult uh down the stretch it, it's um it's yankees like let's say to, to to see sort of this uh, outburst of production and uh the the win streak and all of that uh, the, the yankees are have been known of late uh for putting together sort of those runs i do think it's uh it's a bit too late to sort of mount a comeback especially being under 500 right now if i'm not uh, yeah mistaken. one one game under it's uh, it is going to be extremely hard when, when you have your call on the mound every uh, every five days, and when you have a rookie like Dominguez producing the way that he is, and uh, you know if Aaron Judge can stay healthy again, you can never really uh, count them out. It is pretty much uh, as long a shot as you could uh, have for the for the New, the New York Yankees, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, eight and a half games back about 25 games to go. It's not ideal. I, I, I don't think that they have much of a shot. It is worth noting at least, you know, a, a lot of watching on just like, with the Yankees have so much history. And obviously right baseball on. is obsessed with history anyway, but uh, have they finished below 500 in the last 30 years? No, you have to go back to 1992 for the last time that the Yankees were a below 500 club. The Blue Jays are the team currently with the best record that the Yankees will play for the rest of the season. They uh, They do not have a difficult September at all. They play Detroit at home and Milwaukee at home coming up. Series, a four-gamer in Fenway, which kind of feels like if the Yankees are still playing well, they'll kind of take the Red Sox out of it. And if the Red Sox are playing even okay, they'll kind of take the Yankees out of it. They go to Pittsburgh, home versus Blue Jays, home versus Arizona, uh, on the road at Rogers Center, and then on the road at Kansas City. So I would bet on the fact that the Yankees, I think, are going to finish above 500. I, I don't think that this is going to be Quite the below five hundred catastrophe that maybe it looked to be, and maybe even a record that looks just pretty enough to kind of keep some uh, people in places that could have could have been in jeopardy before that that we don't know about. The Red Sox they're still hanging around. Like it is again possible they'd have to make a lot of noise. I think in the Blue Jays series coming up, Red Sox are also at the trop right now for a three gamer, and that's no fun for anyone. No so fun. I, I do.
1: The Blue Jays will be the first to tell you that.
0: uh, Yeah, oh, my goodness. Uh, Playing at the trap is no fun. Does not go well. And by the way, I mean, I definitely did. I I don't remember what your take was, but we did the show all of All-Star Break, and I was like, the Rays are just too injured at a certain Mm -hmm. point here. And I can't believe I became, like, the four millionth person to fall into that trap. But I was like, they just can't keep it up. And the Rays are in the AL East race. Like, they're not just a top— the wild card. They are absolutely in this race still with a chance to win the division. They're two and a half games back of the Orioles. Do you still feel confident, though, the Orioles wrap up the division, even with the Felix Bautista injury?
1: I I do. Uh, I think that um, what the Rays have accomplished without Shane McClanahan, without Wander Franco, it's uh, nothing short of remarkable. But... Uh, as you look down the stretch and in terms of consistency in terms of just the the health of the lineup, really, I do think that this is still the orioles division the The pitching side is also something that you and I spoke a little bit about during that all star break uh, The Orioles are not phenomenal right pitching wise it is uh it is more of a of a run support type of deal for them but yeah. I do think that they have done enough that if they just maintain a, a steady level of production here in September this should be their division to lose I do have a, a sort of a, a hot hypothetical for okay. you. Here, okay okay here? actually it's not it's more like a, a would you rather if you will you can only pick one of these which would be more shocking okay. right? the blue Jays don't make the playoffs or the Yankees finish below
0: 500. I think with the Yankees' current schedule coming up, like I think the Yankees will be at least 500 by the time we get to Thursday, and I think they could be above. So I would say just given the whole seasonal expectations for the Blue Jays, Mm -hmm. I think it would be more shocking for them to miss the playoffs entirely because at least in defense of the Yankees, the Blue Jays are obviously pretty hurt right now but the Yankees could not have had worse injury luck in a lot of ways than they did this year, whether it be Carlos Rodon to start the season, whether it be, you know, Nestor Cortez, Aaron Judge, Anthony Rizzo's been out for an extended period. There always seems to be some lingering stuff in and around Giancarlo Stanton. Like, they're playing a lot of guys right now. It's gotten a little bit better with the call-ups, but Mm -hmm. they were playing a lot of guys a couple weeks ago that they did not intend to play or maybe even be on the New York Yankees this year. And obviously, Tampa Bay has just persevered past what you could argue is even worse injuries. Certainly, But I don't think that that means that the Yankees should be punished for not pulling the Rays rabbit out of a hat. I I think that the Blue Jays have less reason to explain not making the playoffs than the Yankees do finishing below 500. However, you know, like history, the Blue Jays have only made the playoffs. They made it fewer than 10 times. The Yankees haven't finished below 530 years so some I think could definitely look at that and say it'd be more shocking for the Yankees who most picked to win this division this year still I I think a lot of people around here were optimistic about the Blue Jays but I think a lot of people had the Yankees to win the division and they are pretty much earmarked for the basement of the division
1: I can't wait to see how this turns out
0: yeah it's going to be crazy really fun races going on I'm just going to rapid fire you quickly here AL West who do you think wins the AL West
1: the Houston Astros.
0: Okay, uh, do you have the Guardians fighting with the Twins? They're five games back right now.
1: I do. I think. You
0: they... think they could pass them?
1: No. Okay. I do think they'll make it interesting. Though. Okay. I was I, I covered the uh, the the Cleveland Guardians when, when they were in town, and uh, it's an exciting team. Honestly, it is. Yeah.
0: They they also added a lot with the waiver pickups, which uh, yeah. which is nice for them. The Cubs three and a half back of the Brewers. You think there's anything interesting there? You think the Brewers kind of hold on by a little bit as they usually do?
1: I think so it would be cool but I think that's that's that
0: and then four teams only three games above 500 tied for the final wild card spot in the National League Miami San Francisco Arizona Cincinnati I'm assuming you like the Cubs and Phillies more than all four of those teams I could be wrong or or do you not
3: uh
1: I mean with the with the Phillies it's it's an interesting question yeah I do think I like them uh more than more than these uh these four teams yeah
0: so out of these four teams obviously four legitimately are tied right now for the final playoff spot if you had to pick one that you think was going to qualify where do you go
1: one
0: Miami Miami I would pick Miami that would be a lot of fun all
1: right how
0: about you I would pick I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the youngsters in Cincinnati I, I still think there's a lot in the tank there I really like what they're doing and I think they have I don't think Miami has a ton of pressure, to be honest. Right. And I don't think Arizona has a ton. But both Arizona and Miami got off to these really, really big starts and have moved in the other direction, although Miami winners of four in a row. Cincinnati, it's been a little up and down, but they're, like, picked to be one of the worst teams in baseball. I think there's a lot of house money there. So, and I'm, you know, kind of biasly just rooting to see <laughs> Joey Votto Absolutely. at least one more time in the postseason. Uh, but, you know, that, that will be a really fun race coming up we're going to keep looking at the national scope on the other side we have just about 30 minutes to go Kyle Glazer from Baseball America will join us next she's Julia Kreutz I'm Ben Schulman. this is Jay's Talk Plus streaming on the Sportsnet app on Sportsnet 360 wherever you get your favorite podcasts and across the Sportsnet radio network
1: great day advice from Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert in the fan morning shows Wake and Rake. Subscribe
2: and download the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus across the Sportsnet radio network, Sportsnet 590, the Fence, Sportsnet 360, streaming on Sportsnet.ca, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts, I'm Ben Schulman. she's Julia Kroyd's. We have just about 30 minutes to go here on this Labor Day edition of Jay's Talk Plus, filling in today for Blake Murphy. And we were looking a little bit around the majors, and and we want to talk more about that, a little bit about about the athletics as well. And to help us do it, Kyle Glazer joins us now, uh, Major League Baseball and Prospects writer nationally for Baseball America. Kyle, really appreciate you joining us today. How are you doing?
2: Doing all right. How are you guys?
0: Doing well. Yeah, doing well. Good Labor Day so far. And, uh, you know, the Blue Jays playing a a team coming up in this week with a lot of guys that are either still considered prospects or recently graduated prospects. Obviously, the Oakland Athletics record is not very good, but you have guys like Zach Geloff just winning Rookie of the Month honors. What, What do you think of some of the pieces right now on the Oakland Athletics and their viability for the future?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, this is a team that sold off all of their veterans over the last couple of years and, and went young, partially to justify a move to Las Vegas and put together a really bad record in the major leagues. But there are some good young players here. I mean, you mentioned Zach Geloff. He was a high draft pick, a top prospect, and he's really hit the ground running in the majors. Um, you know, the young catcher, Shea Langoliers, has not been great, but, you know, he's got some power. He's someone they think they can build with. And, You know, Brent Rooker was a nice find for them. So, I mean, they they certainly have a couple of young players who you can say, yeah, you know, this might be a guy that they can keep through all the way to Las Vegas if their uh, proposed relocation goes through as expected. Um, But this is a team that that isn't very good. And, um, again, there's a couple of young players who are interesting. There's not a bunch of them
1: you mentioned uh las vegas and uh, this potential move it seems like uh it's it, it seems like it'll happen it's all all but a certain thing here but uh is this moment in sort of the a's franchise history perhaps a, a a setup for a contention window when that move comes in your mind
2: they're a long way away from that you know one of the things with the a's what made them so successful for so many years you know people talk about moneyball but They drafted and developed really, really, really well, you know, multiple times over the years. You go back to, you know, their early 2000s, Barry Zito, Tim Hudson, Mark Mulder, Jason Giambi, Miguel Tejada, Eric Chavez. All those guys were homegrown, you know, drafts during Tejada's case, signed an international free agent. Um, You go back even more recently, you look at, you know, and they had Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, you know, again, guys who were drafted and homegrown. Um, they have not drafted well at all as an organization recently, and that's a big reason why they are where they are. So I would say they don't really have the pieces right now to say, oh, yeah, they'll be a contender in, in four years. Their firm system isn't really very good, despite the fact they're struggling so much in the majors. They're going to need multiple strong drafts in a row uh, in order for you to say, yeah, you know, there might be a, a window of contention here. Right now with the players they have in their organization, there isn't one that's very apparent.
0: The Blue Jays got some big contributions yesterday from some of their guys in A. not all of them the top prospects, but some guys uh, coming up over the last couple weeks or so and really impacting it. H- how do you assess the farm right now for the Blue Jays and how they've performed this year?
2: Yeah, I mean, the Blue Jays' farm system doesn't have a ton of impact guys in it right now, in part because they've graduated some of the great players, right? I mean, Bo Bichette was homegrown. Alejandro Kirk was homegrown. By McGraw Jr. was homegrown. Alec Manoa was homegrown now. Obviously, a couple of those guys haven't had a great year this year, but um, there's been a tremendous wave of talent that's come up through the Blue Jays farm system over the years. And now it's just about kind of supplementing it. But you're right. You look at a guy like a David Schneider. You look at a guy like a Spencer Horowitz. You know, guys who have come up and and provided some immediate impact and good contributors. And it's important to have those guys. You have the stars that come through, but you also need the the complementary pieces who can come up and help you. Um, and those two guys have done it. So the Blue Jays have had a, a good pipeline of talent coming through really for a few years now. And I think that's one of the strengths of the organization and you know, why they've been successful. Although I know this year hasn't been as hoped. Um, you know, this is still a team that's right in the thick of the wild card race and well above 500, despite the fact a lot of key players have struggled. And a lot of that's because they have homegrown talent they can pull up and, and, and call up upon.
1: Kyle, that said, there's still perhaps a handful of prospects that could impact the Blue Jays, say, last year. Someone like uh, Relvis Martinez or uh, Addison Barger. Is there anyone that is on your radar uh, to get promoted uh, uh, next year and, and really make an impact for this team or for any other team where they might end up?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the young left-hander, Ricky Tiedemann, who's a really, really, really talented young pitcher with a great arm from the left side. Um, The biggest thing with him is is just staying healthy. Um, He hasn't shown the ability to really, you know, hold up over a full season yet, you know, throw 100-plus, 120 innings in the minors. Um, he missed some time this year with uh, with some shoulder injury stuff, but when he's been on the mound, he's been pretty darn good. At least when he's been on the mound, you know, fully effective and fully healthy. Um, even this year, you know, kind of sidetracked by injuries a little bit, he's striking out nearly 18 batters per nine. So, um, really, really good arm from the left side. If he can just stay healthy you know he's someone that you can say yeah this is someone the blue jays might be able to to plug into the rotation some point next year and let him grow and hopefully develop into a key rotation piece for them.
0: Do you think with the injuries he suffered this year and that you know preventing him from progressing that he's going to start next year in the minors regardless of where he finishes?
2: Um, most likely again, you know, he's in double a right now. And and sometimes we do see teams, especially recently with how aggressive teams have been promoting guys, you know, maybe if he finishes this year, strong and goes in and, and wow, some people in camp, I think theoretically you could say he'd break camp. But again, I would certainly think that given his injuries, given the need to build up, um, it would be most likely he starts next year in the minors and just, builds up his durability and then gets the call up
0: you mentioned that teams are promoting guys more aggressively we obviously saw that to like the nth degree with the angels for for very obvious reasons but it's been a thing around baseball why do you think that teams are maybe spending less time with their guys in the minors and graduating them more quickly than traditionally they did in years past
2: yeah, well, it's twofold. I think some of it's a case-by-case basis. You look at the team, like the Angels or the Padres are moving guys quickly, and some of that is desperation, um, just you know, trying to find something that works, you know, name something that sticks. We, we've seen teams speed guys to the minors before, and a lot of times it's front offices that know their job is on the line or they have to win this year, and they're just trying anything. Um, so that's part of it. But the other part of it is, for cases where that isn't necessarily you know, the situation where teams aren't desperate. Minor league reorganization has kind of changed what the minor leagues are, and I'm meaning when Major League Baseball um, eliminated um, uh, the, low, the short uh, season A affiliate level, uh, eliminated uh, minor league teams across the country, and then kind of consolidated the minor leagues. And with that, you know, low A and high A, those two levels are so much worse than they were before. And a lot of teams feel like they can skip their players over those levels or move them above them very, very quickly because they think a lot of their college players in particular aren't going to get anything from being at those levels, and I, I tend to agree. So if you see guys go straight to AA or if they go to AA after very, very little time in the Class A levels. and then once you're in AA, you're in striking distance the majors. So if the guy in AA is performing well, you start thinking about it.
1: Kyle, I wanted to uh, uh, shift the focus a little bit back to the, the Blue Jays here. We have been talking about Davis Schneider, um, you know, at length and uh, rightfully so with, uh, with the type of season that he has uh, put together here and obviously a small sample size. But uh, what have you seen from him and what is sort of the key to this continued uh, dominance? I, I, I keep saying that we are still waiting for him to, to cool off and it hasn't happened yet. To so what do you attribute that
2: I mean, he can hit. It's as simple as that. I mean, Davis Schneider can hit. You know, I think with him, look, obviously, um, I I think it's fair to say he's not going to hit 397 (laughs) and, you know, be on a 50-plus home run pace over over the course of his career. But, again, uh, some guys just have that knack for hitting, you know, and he has shown he has that. Again, will he be a, a superstar type who, you know, is one of the best players in Blue Jays lineup long term? I think that would probably be a stretch, but is he someone who can help them over the course of a full season as a good contributor and and, and potentially start a little bit for them? Yeah, I mean you, you can see it happen. Again, he he you know, he can hit. He's shown some power in the minors over the last two years really. Um we've seen his ability to get on base, be fairly consistent throughout his career. He's got that really, really good strike and discipline. If you have a guy who controls the strike zone and, and can hit for some impact and then get the bat to the ball, good things can happen. He had a little bit of speed element there. He's stolen some bases in the minors as well. Like again, there there, there are pieces here to work with where you say, Yeah, this is a guy who should help the Blue Jays long term, whether it's in a starting role or more of a, a strong contributor type of role.
0: Obviously Schneider, you know, despite how how well he's played, not playing enough games to really be in the mix for an accolade like a Rookie of the Year or something like that. You had written about that and, and listed Yoshida, I believe, uh, as the AL frontrunner. W- what do you think kind of the battle is going to be between a, a Yoshida, a Gunnar Henderson? Are there other people you think are in the mix? And how likely do you think it is that, uh, you know, the new Red Sox ends up winning it?
2: Yeah, again, it, it's really, really tightly packed in the American League right now. I mean, that's that's the thing. Nationally, you kind of look at Corbin Carroll and say, you know, yeah, the award is his as long as he continues to do what he's doing. But in the American League, it's going to come down to do the voters value, you know, more advanced stats like war, which Gunnar Henderson has a pretty good lead in, or do they value the traditional stats? You know, batting average hits, leading all rookies, and it's doubles, you know, average you know, OPS, et cetera. And then maybe someone like Yoshida gets more of the edge. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how the awards voters kind of you know value and weigh each stat. Um, Josh Young probably would have won the award, but he got hurt. Uh, the Rangers third baseman. So that really threw the race open. Um, it's really going to come down to the wire here, and I think it'll be interesting to look at you know voters' behavior and, and what kind of stats they reward. Because if you go old school, Yoshida's probably the favorite. If you're new school, it might be Henderson.
1: Kyle, these are obviously the big names here in the in the rookie conversation, but I am wondering if there has been anyone this season that came up and sort of uh, surprised you, a, a, sort of a, a Davis Schneider type of guy, but, uh, you know, someone that really opened your eyes and uh, performed unexpectedly well here.
2: Yeah, I, I think one guy that you have to give some credit to is, is Dodgers center fielder James Altman. Um, you know, coming into the year, you thought, hey, He'd probably be a platoon center fielder who played good defense, maybe stole some bases, hit for some power, but, but might struggle to make enough contact to play every day. Instead, he came out and seized the Dodgers center field job, got off to a blazing start, and then we saw the league adjust to him, and he went to a pretty bad slump where he thought, okay, you know, maybe this is going to, to tail off a little bit. And then he adjusted back and, and started hitting again. So I think with, with James Altman, you've seen him elevate himself from – Okay, you know, instead of maybe being a, a partial contributor in a platoon role, now the Dodgers have a center fielder of the future. Um, I, I think that's the biggest guy you have to look at. And, and then Matt McClain with the Reds. Obviously Ellie de la Cruz gets a lot of the pub because of how exciting he is. But if you look at it, L. De La Cruz has really not hit since the all-star break. Whereas Matt McClain has just continued to rake. He's been an above average defender at both second base and shortstop. Um, You know he's someone who's a high pick, but he struggled last year. I saw him in the Arizona Fall League. He did not look good. I know I personally did not think he would be the kind of player he's become. And he's really been the Bread's best rookie. You know, which is saying something when you look at Andrew Abbott, Spencer Steer, and of course Ellie De La Cruz. Um, What Matt McLean has done has been nothing short of fabulous.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Reds are are dropping in prospect rankings rapidly because they're just graduating everyone at once right now and, and maybe a future situation coming up with that as we see the Yankees call on a lot of their young players as well. Obviously, Jason Dominguez stole some of the headlines for the Yankees and in, in, in all of baseball this past weekend with two home runs in Houston in his opening series as a major leaguer. You had covered Dominguez in your most recent podcast. What do you think? about that series and what were your expectations and are your expectations for the month of September and that weekend in October that we'll see Jason Dominguez as a Yankee?
2: Yeah. I mean, look, anytime you have a 20 year old rookie come up and and hit two homers in his first series against a good team like the Astros, it's certainly, certainly impressive. I mean, Jason Dominguez was one of the highest rated international prospects to come out in years, received $5.1 million when he was 16 years old. And, you know, he's had to deal with some pretty uh, sky-high expectations and for the most part has held up very well under them, both in terms of on-field performance and dealing with all the off-field stuff. So you give him a lot of credit for his maturity and ability to be resilient in the face of uh, the, the spotlight. I, I think with him, you know, you see, I mean, like, he's very, very big and strong and physical for 20 years old especially. You know, seeing the opportunity, you know, we, we've seen some of his power. Um, he, he can play the outfield. He's a good athlete for his size still some bases, he can get on base. I think just seeing him show you a little bit of all those skills here, uh this final month of the season is gonna be what to watch for. If he goes completely, you know, haywire and continues hitting like he has throughout the entire month, awesome, great, cool. But even if he goes through some struggles or or can't maintain it, which would be fully understandable for a 20-year-old in his first month in the big leagues, um, I wouldn't worry about it. You're looking for, again, all the abilities he possesses, the speed, um, the power, the ability to play defense, um, and just let him kind of grow and learn and watch the quality of his at-bats and see what position he's able to put himself in for next year when he could potentially break camp with the Yankees on opening day.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, if the Yankees have taught us anything about him or about Davis Schneider, you look to 2016, Aaron Judge kind of struggled in that stretch. Gary Sanchez almost stole a rookie of the year in 50 games, and that didn't end up necessarily being where their two careers would line up. We will be very interested to see uh, how all the graduated guys and some of the prospects work out as well. Kyle, really appreciate you joining us today.
2: Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime, guys.
0: That is Kyle Glazer of Baseball America covering prospects and everything Major League Baseball as well. And yeah, for the Blue Jays, which, which we touched on, it's not the most loaded system anymore. I mean, between, like you said, graduations, if you look at guys that are on this team right now, a lot of prospects have been dealt to get those guys, but... There are some interesting pieces going forward, and more of a discussion for the off season. But even outside of the Barger Martinez, as a guy like Alan Roden at AA A has been really good, and I, I think that there there are definitely some pieces that can help the Blue Jays out in the future.
1: I would even say a guy like Leo Jimenez, who isn't yeah. necessarily on uh, on the radar or you know on the on the big spotlight here, but who has uh, very quietly put together a very good uh, minor league season as well so there are some interesting pieces and guys that can come up and contribute we expect the Blue Jays to still spend some money in free agency. It's not like they have to rely on, uh, on these guys that are shining through the minors. Uh, This is very much a team within its contention window. And that is why the, uh, the the farm system isn't as loaded as it was in the past. It's kind of the cycle of, uh, of baseball, (laughs) if you will, right? You, uh, you backfill, then you trade your prospects and you, and you contend if you're doing it the right way. That's kind of, kind of the way to go. the blue jays are going to be big spenders that is not uh, really up for debate it's uh, this is far from their last year of contention here there will be there will be more in the future and there will be some uh, some some big signings and i expect there to be some some trades as well that means that the farm system is probably going to take a little bit more of a hit uh, but all things considered i still believe that the blue jays are in a in a good spot to trade from that system if they have to, to supplement the, the, the major league roster. Expect uh, some more guys to uh, to come up, a la uh, uh, Davis Schneider or Spencer Horowitz next year and play those sort of fringe roles uh, for a team that is in contention right
0: now. Blue Jays playing today against a team not in contention, the Oakland Athletics. First pitch at 4.07 across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Jose Barrios and Ken Waldachuk. We touched on it a bit, but before we wrap up here in a couple minutes, Jose Barrios was one of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball in July. He didn't allow more than two earned runs in any of his starts. Had an ERA below two, struck out 28 guys in 29 in the third innings. You get to August and he's allowed at least 3 earned runs in 4 out of his 5 st- starts. He's coming off back-to-back 5 earned run allowed games, one against Baltimore which you semi-understand, a team that for his entire career he's dominated n- until that start, but one against the Washington Nationals, who are not a very strong team with the bat. What do you look for here from Barrios to try to get things a little bit back in check?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it, it was a weird stretch for him in August. I think that we saw maybe Barrios regress a little bit to the bad luck that that he experienced last season, in which any batted ball turned out to to, to be a uh, runner on base right instead of uh, him uh, getting a little bit of luck or a little bit of help from the defense which had been the case more often than not this year last year was was very much an outlier in that sense he, he had he experienced some extremely bad luck with the with the batted ball as did kevin Gosman of course and I think that what we saw was kind of a regression to that uh it was his first career loss against the the orioles
0: and I think that was his th- 13th or 14th start against Baltimore that's, in his career. That's a
1: pretty big deal, yeah. right? It, it shows that he has been dominant, and he was dominant all year as well against against Baltimore. But the fact is that, uh, you know, the day came. With, uh, with Baltimore, I would very much attribute it to extremely good approach and uh, game plan the that lineup has been consistent with its approach and with its game plan pretty much all season long and that is why they are at the top of, uh, of the al east right now and perhaps you can look at the nationals game and and attribute a, l- a little bit more to a uh, to bad luck he has been you know when you look at say the swing and miss stuff it's not like he is uh, falling flat he's pitching relatively well like the breaking ball is breaking the 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 fastball is reaching the the expected velocity it's uh it may be a little bit about pitch mix and a little bit about uh some bad luck and some of that will naturally sort of uh, fall back into a, a more natural position but it it does it is a little bit up to him as well to mix in those pitches and it's up to the defense to help him out as well
0: Yeah, Barrios can also keep it in the yard in what's a big ballpark. That would be great. He's given up multiple homers in three out of the last four starts, and those are starts in which he's given up five, five, and four runs, respectively. Does get to go against one of the, if not the worst, offense in baseball. The Blue Jays will take on certainly the worst pitching staff in baseball by ERA+, which uh, gives the Rockies a bit of a break on their ERA for pitching in Colorado. Oakland is way behind them in ERA and the Athletics. Uh, either give up the most or, or second most runs in baseball. That one should be a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun. Appreciate you tuning in. 407 Jose Barrios against Ken Waldachuk. Coming up next, Jesse Rubinoff, Kevin Michi on Sportsnet today. Show Ali with pregame at 3 p.m. And Jay's talk postgame with Blair and Barker after today's contest. She's Julia Kreutz. I'm Ben Shulman. Behind the scenes, Nick Blackmore, Jennifer Rolnick, and Tristan Markajani. Really appreciate you tuning in today. Don't worry, Jake from Sault Ste. Marie. Blake will be back tomorrow, and we will see you later on the Sportsnet Radio Network.